going to be uh, doing, uh, I've been doing this month, and it's something I've never did, different metaphors in the Bible that help us start the, the year off uh, so we can reach our goals that we accomplish. And a lot of times we start out with the right kind of goals, and then we get kind of sidetracked after a couple weeks. And the first week we, we used about an athlete running a sprint race, and he's stretching to, to cross that line so he can win the first place. And we talked about what we wanted to get through is, is to stretch a little bit farther so we could do a little bit more. And we all agreed we could do a little bit more. And last week we talked about, again, we used the runner running the race. And the runner runs the race for one reason. He wants to win a prize. And if you never get into the race, you'll never win a prize. What I wanted you to take away from that is I wanted you to, uh, to evaluate yourself and ask yourself, am I doing anything to reach people? Uh, am I doing anything to uh, uh, get involved, or am I just watching people do the work? And this week, we're gonna, what I want you to get across is one word about being faithful. And we're going to use the metaphor of a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. And uh, before I, uh, I'm going to tell a story, and then I'm going to ask uh, Brother James, if you don't mind asking God's blessings, but uh, I talked to a local employer not too long ago, and I said, how are things going? And he said, uh, you know what, one thing it is, and I think every employer has said this, it's hard to find people who want to do what? Work. Work. Some people will show up, one day, and then they won't be there for two or three days, and then they'll be there. And I asked him, I said, does that make your job difficult when people are not faithful? He said, oh, yeah. He said, uh, I'm the owner, but then I suddenly become this, this, and this, and this. And I want you to think about there's one character trait that I think that every Christian can do is just be faithful. They used to teach us in Bible college if there's one thing that you could do is, is if you can just pray and love people and be like Jesus Christ and just stay faithful where you're at, then uh, God will send people. He'll send diff people at different times, different ways, different reasons. And in my years of 23 years here uh, in a small area, I have seen that. I have seen that you need to stay faithful doing what you need to do. And we're going we're gonna to look at a soldier that he can't, and, and I have a soldier with me and probably a couple others, uh, he can't enlist and then in the middle uh, say, uh, Sergeant, um, I got to go do this and this and this and I got to do this. He's, he's going to get himself in trouble, isn't he, James? And he's not going to please his master. Uh, he goes to boot camp and his whole job is to be faithful. And we're going to see the athlete, it's the same way. He's got to be faithful, but he's got to play by the rules. And we're going to, we're going to see here that a lot of times people, uh, they don't want to be faithful as an athlete. They don't sometimes want to show up for practice, amen. Or how many have ever heard of people cheating, okay? And, uh, but you've got to play by the rules, amen. And then we're also going to see the farmer, that the farmer uh, he has to be faithful at doing his crops. He can't just say, I think I'll plant my crops and then not water them today or work them today or pull the weeds today. 
And it's a lot of work, and he's got to be faithful, and uh, that's how God blesses us. So with that concept and those three metaphors along with a teacher metaphor, uh, I hope that you'll get across and you'll evaluate your faithfulness to God. Is it a goal that maybe I need to be a little bit more faithful to God and his word and his house and, and his people? And, uh, but that's up for you to evaluate and make a goal. So, Brother James, if you can ask God's blessings, please. A friend of mine, a, fr a fellow pastor friend of mine, sent me um, every once in a while. I counsel older pa or pastors, younger pastors will say, hey, you've been in a long time. I ask older pastors for advice and different things. And, uh, uh, but I had a, a friend of mine, a young pastor, and uh, he was really struggling in the ministry. And he, and he sent me this little link on Facebook. I, some of you may or may not have Facebook, but... It said that four to 5,000 pastors leave the ministry every year. And I thought, man, four to 5,000 leave the I mean, they don't leave the church and go from one church to another church. They just say, I'm not going to do it no more. Now, I don't know about you. If you lose four to 5,000 pastors every year, you're going to lose churches. And there are some churches that are pastorless. And they can't get pastors, amen. And uh, I don't know about you, the church is a mighty important thing in a community, as I said last week, amen. And uh, Paul was writing to a young pastor named Timothy. Paul was an older pastor. He had went through a lot of hardship. And he was writing this to this young pastor named Timothy to try to help him, to try to encourage him, to try to tell them how to set up the churches and kind of kind of give them guidance like all of us should be doing to each other. And I want you to notice after he, in beginnings with chapter 2, he talks up and he uses that in verse 1, thou what? What's that word? Therefore. Now remember Sunday school, every time I teach you that word, therefore and wherefore, Jim, what's that mean? For this reason. That means you ought to back up. You have to back up in the Bible and you have to find out what's he talking about. Well, he had talked about different people that had turned away from, uh, turned away from him in Asia and had quit. And then other people gave him a hard time. But there was one person that refreshed him and faithfully sought him out and helped him and ministered to him. And uh, he names those people to tell Timothy that whatever we do for God, it's going to be hard and we're going to suffer. Now, let me ask you a question here. How many of you think that the church, and I'm not talking about pastors, but I'm talking about the church, Christianity, suffers some kind of spiritual opposition that goes on. How many agree that they have a common enemy called the devil? 
Now, here's what most people think. Uh, a little cartoon character, a little guy who's got little ears and a little tail and a fork, okay, and things like this, okay. That's farther than the truth that you can realize. That there is a common enemy that tries to fight the church and tries to make it difficult for the church. Do you realize there are people in different countries today that are beheaded for Christ, and they have to suffer for Christ. In China, some people have to go underground, Chad, for Christ just to, just to have church, what we have today. And it is very difficult to get churches started today. And I don't know about you here. Uh, I was talking to a fellow pastor in our community, and he was talking about how he had been there for a long time too, and he said, you know, it's becoming more and more difficult to keep churches going after COVID, okay? I mean, COVID changed a lot here. Keep them, keep them in line, keep them going. And we're seeing a trend of churches closing. Brother Kenny gave an illustration in Sunday school about, about an illustration, how something here. But uh, he said that, that a lot of people don't realize that uh, the attack that the church is under and I don't know about you, culture is changing quite a bit, is it not? And it is, it is, it is against biblical standards, and it, it, it's getting harder and harder. Now, how many agree, how many uh, maybe older saints would agree that the world has changed a lot? A lot. In 10, 20 years, it's changed a lot, hasn't it? Megan, has it, and you're young, but has it got harder even since you started young life to, to deal with teenagers? They've changed. Uh, you know, I can remember, how many remember my phone, my cell phone, when I was growing up, was one of those little whoop, whoop, amen. Or my cell phone at college was you put some quarters in. This is how I call mom. You put some quarters in, and you stand at this phone, and you talk, and it says, you're about running out of time. Put some more quarters in. And how many of you remember those days when that's how you talked? And that, that, I'm only 53, but uh, today we have instant contact and different things like this, and, and, and things have changed quite a bit, has it not? And, and the world has gotten a tougher place. And Paul was writing to Timothy, and he was saying that if we serve God, and we want our heart's desire to serve God, it's going to be tough. So notice what he says in verse 1 quickly. Thou therefore, my son, be what, folks? Strong. Now notice where you get your strength in. In the grace that is in where? Now, I thought that the Bible, most people only think that the Bible teaches that we are only saved by grace. You know, the Bible says, for by Grace, are you saved? That's most co people's concept of grace. But you know what grace is? It's God's unmerited loving favor. He wants to help you. He wants to help you save you if you're not saved, but he wants to help you today if you're struggling here today. Now, Paul said the only way that we're going to be strong and serve God, are we going to do it in our own strength? No. And you know what? You will not serve God in your own strength. You are subject to frustration. You're just subject to discouragement. I don't care. Let me bring it even, even into secular work. 
How many of you, even in your secular work, sometimes get frustrated, discouraged, and you feel like taking your papers and just saying, I quit? Anybody that way? And you know what? In secular work, Christian work, we all need strength. Because you know what? There's an attack that we're trying to go against. And Paul says the only way that we're going to be able to fulfill our goals of reaching people is we're going to have to find our grace in Jesus Christ. That means we've got to pray. We've got to read our Bible. We've got to get uh, around other Christians that can help us here. But notice he says that you have a job to do, Timothy. Now notice the word things. He says you've learned some things, much like many of you have learned some things that need to be passed on to people here. But notice what he says here in verse 2. And the things which thou hast heard, in other words, you heard from many witnesses here, okay? A lot of people had taught Timothy different things he had been invested into, but notice what he says here. Everything you learn, are you supposed to keep it to yourself? Now, let me, say, let me talk to older Christians here, okay? You've been saved for a while. Everything you learn in life, are you just supposed to keep it to yourself? No, you're not supposed to keep it to yourself. You're supposed to give it to teenagers. You're supposed to give it to uh, kids. You're supposed to give it to young, the Bible talks about young married women here, teaching the older women, teaching the younger women here, uh, younger, older men teaching this, and the value of children. And that's why we, we have children's ministry here. We, we really believe children and teen, teen ministry here, that we deal with people that, that I have learned some things in life and that I want to pass them along. But let me ask you a question here. If you want to pass something along, and we are all supposed to pass it along to our children here, there is one quality that you must have that is found in the Bible. It says, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to do what, folks? Teach others also. So what is the qualification? If you're going to find somebody to disciple, to invest in, to do something, if people don't show up and don't want to do and don't want to learn about what you are want to learn about, can you waste your time and your goals of what you want to accomplish? Amen. Let me ask you teachers here. You teach a, a, a class. Your goal as a teacher is uh, you want to have your students come and if a teacher really wants to their students to learn, right? Wants them to grow here, okay? And isn't it frustrating when, now we know that there are different things, exceptions to the flu or COVID or different things, family emergencies, but how many uh, find it hard, let me talk to some of our teachers here, when a student's here one day and you're, you're trying to give them something and then they're here not here that day and that day, how many find it hard to teach, Amen. Now, let me ask you a question here. Do you think you would invest your time and your energy and your goals into somebody who would not be faithful to you? Would that be a good quality for somebody to take your goals, 
to pass it along, and you say, I'm going to take my time, my energy, and my resources, and I'm going to pass it along here. Brother Rodney here, do you think if you stepped on the football field, and we're going to come across this here, and you said, all right, guys, I got one thing I want you to be here. Show up for practice, amen? Because if you can't show up for practice, then I, I always teach, I taught my daughter, I said, uh, and my sons, all my kids, I said, basketball and football, they all played sports, and they were, they were light years behind each other, but I said, it's life. It's, it's, it's more than basketball. It's more than football. It's life. It's showing up on time for your coach, not your coach saying, where's such and such. It's having a good attitude towards your coach when you come, right? Amen. It, it's realizing things don't go your way. Calls don't always go your ways. I, I'd hate to be a ref. Amen. Okay. And realizing, hey, that's it. But it's how you handle it. But I tried to tell my kids that this is part of your character building here. When you show up here, you, you, may, uh, you may not get as much playing time, and that's, that's all right here. But if you show up, you'll show up at work someday, right? If you have a good attitude on the team, then you're going to have a good attitude. You're your boss. If you give it all you got, then you're going to get advanced someday. But if you don't show up, Rodney, here, is it hard to teach football skills to people who are invisible? Same thing with softball, right? <laughs> okay. You say, all right, we're going to teach you we're going to teach you a new play. Where is everybody at? Hard, isn't it? Now, Paul was simply saying, if you want to find people and make it a goal of replicating yourself here, then you have to look for somebody who is interested, somebody that's faithful. But notice he gives three metaphors. The first metaphor that we're going to look at is a soldier here. How a soldier has to be faithful at doing what he's doing because there's a reason, there's a purpose here. Now look at verse 3. He says, thou, what's the magic word next after that, verse 3? Therefore, got to go backwards. What's he just got done talking about, folks? Help me now. Being what, Jim? Being faithful, right? Now, notice what he says. Thou therefore endure what, folks? Hardness as a good what? He gives the illustration, a metaphor of a soldier of Jesus Christ here. Now, we're going to pause right here. I know I at least have one soldier here, but was boot camp kind of a piece of cake? No. You know, I had a, I had a um, oh, Navy SEAL speak here one time, and he told about Hell Week, and he said, man, it's every bit of that. It's hard. He said it's very, very hard. In fact, I'm trying to get him and his wife to come back and speak. As a, They have an incredible testimony of a marriage conference here and how God did a work in their heart. But we had lunch with them, and I said, tell me what you did in Hell Week. And he said, you wouldn't believe what we did in Hell Week. And I said, I thought to myself, as a soldier, it was hard. But I didn't find a soldier going up to his boss and say, to his private and saying, by the way, I need to take two weeks off of military training. 
I've got to go over to Burger King, or I've got to go do this, or I've got to do this, okay? Now, they did, they did give family leave for emergencies, and they were considerate, things like this. But how many agree that you didn't go up to your soldier, to your, to your sergeant, and you didn't go up and say, hey, Sarge, I'm not going to be here for a couple weeks during boot camp here, <laughs> okay? What would be the attitude, Jim, of that sergeant toward that soldier? Is he say, if you're not going to be there for training, are you going to be there for your soldiers during wartime? What would be his attitude? Yeah, he'd have some real problems. Do you think he'd make a very good soldier that the other people could depend on? No. Now, he gives this metaphor, and he says, you want to be faithful, let me give you an illustration of a soldier here. It's going to be hard right here. And what you can't do is notice what you can't do in verse 4. No man that entangles himself or is in part of himself with the affairs of this what? That he may do something. Please him who has chosen him to be a what? Okay. The job is of a soldier when he enlists here is I want to please my sergeant. That means I've got to be faithful. That means I've got to go through all my routines. Why? Because there's a war. When I get into actual war here, people are depending on me. Now, you realize, folks, people's souls are depending on the church of God. You realize there's something called heaven and hell and eternity and people's souls and people's lives. There, we are in a spiritual war. But what happens here is... People want to get entangled with the affairs of this life. Now, I go back to my soldier here. What would happen if the sergeant, you said, I got this affair in my life here, and uh, I've got to do this here. Sarge, I'm going to bypass hell week, and I'm going to do this here. Would he be very good at it, Jim, or any soldier? Would he be? No. He's either eliminated because he can't show up. Now, let me ask you a question here. Are we eliminating ourselves from accomplishing what we need to do in just these surrounding communities here because people are concerned about other things? Now, how many agree? I talked to Sunday school here. There's a lot of things now that are offered now on the Lord's Day that when I first started ministry were not offered. How many agree that the world has changed, the Lord's Day here has changed? Phil, how many years have you been a Christian here, you and your wife? Yeah. Yeah. Are there things today that are offered today in replace of church that when you first got started? Yeah. And so what happens, people are entangled in the affairs of life. doesn't mean that the Bible talks about, the talks about, okay, doesn't mean we can't take a vacation, right? Now, we're not being legalistic, right? How many agree that there are legalistic people who can't do this, okay? We're not talking about if an ox falls in the ditch here, okay? We're supposed to say, remember Miss Sonder one time had a horse or a sheep or somebody, and she, she, she messaged the pastor, she said, I won't be able to come to church here. I had a, it was a horse, or maybe you remember a, it was a sick horse, and, and what was the pastor supposed to do? Just lift. 
Just let it lay there and die and do things and not care about the animal and come to church. Would that be a loving, caring atmosphere toward that? Now, it doesn't happen every day, right? Amen. An ox doesn't fall in the ditch every day, right? But my point is okay here. Can we also be legalistic toward that too? Where we could say if you're never gone from church from like Miss Brittany gave me a little pointer from a mental break. Okay, okay. There's nothing wrong with those things here. We're, we're not talking about getting away. Even Jesus got away in the wilderness. Amen. Jesus knew he needed to get away here. We're not talking about that here. Okay. But we're talking about the things that are drawing us away from our goals. Now, let me ask you a question and give me a good amen. Are there a lot of things now in this world drawing us away from the goals that we're trying to accomplish as a church? Yeah, a lot of things today that, are, that, that the world has changed. So Paul says, if you're going to be a good soldier, you, you've got to be not entangled with the affairs of life. You've got to be focused. You've got to be disciplined here because you want to please your soldier. Now, let me ask you a question. Who wants to please God? Okay. Now let me ask you a question. Do you think God is always pleased with not only our church or every church? I'm including our church too. I'm the pastor here. I take I take responsibility too. You think God is always pleased with our spiritual growth and what we could do and accomplish in this community only in this world? I think he's always pleased. Is there always room for improvement? I don't know about you, I am, I'll defer back to you, Brother Rodney. Even if you have a good season here or a bad season, there's always room for improvement, right? And we can always, so now let me ask you a question. In your life here, do you always think that there's always something that I can improve on spiritually? I can get better out here. Maybe I'm, I'm you know, a soldier doesn't walk into boot camp and say, I got it down perfect, <laughs> No, he says, this is the way you got to do this, this is the way you got to do this here. And by the end of boot camp here, he has gotten better here. So my goal is I want to encourage you today here is to look at your life and say, is there something that's taking me away from God? Is there something that I can improve on in my life? Now look at the next one in verse 5. If a man, he uses an athlete now, if a man also strive... For masteries, that word mastery means athletics here. It's any kind of athletic event here. Look what he says. Yet he is not crowned, or you don't win, except you strive how? That word lawfully means you play by the rules here. Now, let me ask you a question. Nick, if a football team cheats here, and they win something, uh, and they find it out later on, he says, you're disqualified, right? Because you did what? You cheated here. Now, let me ask you a question here. How many of you have ever watched a movie, Facing the Giants, here? It's one of my favorite mo Christian movies here. Remember what they decided to do at the beginning of the school year? They were, they were, not, they were not winning. They were not winning. The coach was getting frustrated. Then a star player gets saved, and they, they start to pray. And they say, we're going to honor God, win or lose here. And there's one guy touching the locker here. And then they come down to a game where they can come to the state championship, and then they do what? Help me now, somebody who's watched that movie. 
what happens to them? They lose, right, Megan? And then all the players, they come off the field, they throw their helmets down. They're that far away from a state championship. And then the, play, the coach calls them in on Monday morning. And the coach says, we got to have a meeting. They're thinking they're there to turn in their gear, Rodney. <laughs> and the coach has a player, and he says, i got a meeting with you guys. And he tells the, he tells the football team, suit up. And the guys are like, suit up? I thought our seasons was done. He said, whatever the school is, cheated. They had an illegal player. They were disqualified. You're going on to the state championship. And what happened to that team in the face of the Giants? They won the what? State championship against all odds. How many have not seen the movie Facing the Giants? Raise your hand, okay? If you've not seen it, it's on YouTube. You can watch it for free now, amen? It's an awesome Christian movie. It's about football, but it's about God here. It has some wonderful lessons here. But this team cheated, and you know what? They got disqualified, and the team that honored God here got promoted here. Now, let me ask you a question. Megan said a perfect example here. It's not always how many you have or don't have. It's are you doing what God wants you to do here? Now, let me ask you a question. What is the population of Huttonsville, West Virginia? Quiz. I Googled it not too long ago. <laughs> Anybody know? Yeah. 212, 221, if you count dogs a little bit more. Amen. <laughs> okay. Now, are we a metropolis here? Where people just, may, <laughs> depends on where, if you're Alaska, okay? So, let me ask you a question here. Is Los Angeles a little bit bigger than our area? Yeah. That means that more people move in there. Churches can have more people. They can offer more things here. But you know what? My job is, is just to play by the rules. Just do what God tells me to do here. Just stay faithful doing what God tells me to do, and in the end, who wins, whether I'm in a small community or a big community? In the end, who, who wins? God wins, but, but, but we win too, as long as we keep doing what we are doing. Brother Kenny used that example here about when finances were low and uh, when he was uh, here as a deacon here, and they got together and they prayed here. And Brother Kenny, what was that story you said? You were praying for people to come, but that was the wrong motive, right? Yeah, and he realized that, uh, wait a second, that's not the purpose for people to come to put the more people in offering here. The purpose of people to come is to grow and to become more like who? And reach their potential here. So, so you realize, folks, here, God will take care of the finances here. You know, I, I, I'm not bragging here to all be to glory of God, but we are debt free. Praise the Lord, hallelujah, and most churches are in millions of dollars of debt here. But you know what? I give all glory and honor to somebody who just came to a small little country town, and I just said, God, I'll be faithful. I'll just be faithful. I'll do what you told me to do. It's easy to love people. You know, it is easy to love people. That's in the Bible. It's easy to be good to people, is it not? It's easy to just show up here. And if we do it by the rules, God will do what? He'll honor us. Now look at this last one here. Look at verse 6. The husbandman, that's the farmer. The farmer has to do something. That does what? 
Help me now. Verse 6. The husband that does what? Laboreth. That means he's got to work. Must be first partakers of the what? Okay. If the farmer decides, you know what? I don't feel like going out and watering my plants today. I'm not going to be faithful. I don't feel like, Jim, I don't feel like planting my crops this year here. Is he ever going to get the fruit if he don't put in the work? They don't put faithfulness here. Now, let me ask you a question here. Do you think, uh, many years ago, I used to watch when I was a kid, my mom watched it, I Dream of Jeannie, where she would go, hey, man, and she would be gone here, okay? And uh, my mom watched it. I watched it with her, okay? And uh, do you think a church just happens where I go, pews are packed, everybody's there, <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice to be able to do that to anything, Rodney? Boom! I got 100 kids right there. Amen. Faithful, everybody's there. But let me ask you a question. Is there some work involved? Is there some work involved? Yeah. Now, let me ask you a question here. That involves working with people. And you know who you work with? People that are what? Faithful. You work with people that are faithful here. Now, let me ask you a question. Are you wasting your time and your energy on unfaithful people? Are you going to get a bit productive if the Bible teaches us to be able to find faithful men? They're the ones that's going to be able to teach people. Can we waste our time, energy, and productivity on that? Now, what Paul just gave us three illustrations here, and I want you to notice here, and I got one little quick video and I'll be done. Look what he says right here after he's given some advice. What's the magic word? Consider what I say. And what's that mean to consider what I say? Help me now, folks. What's that mean to consider? What is it? Yeah, that's right. Think about it, okay? Now, let me ask you a question. I just gave you three or four examples here. I just want you to think about it. This is, this is, how, this is how things happen here. Just think about it. What you can do, what you can change, but look what he says. After you think about it, what's he say? The Lord will what? Give thee what? In what? Now, who's going to help you if you think about it? Now, who's going to help you think about, am I wasting my time and my energy? Megan went to a conference, and God gave her understanding, right? <laughs> Now she's going to do things a little bit differently. Instead of serving out of guilt, she says, I'm just going to be faithful. I'm going to play by the rules. I'm going to do with it. And you know what, folks? I want you to consider what? But you know what? A lot of times people get down to the end of their life and they say, how many have ever said the word if? I would go to church if. I would do this if, Okay. And I have a quick little video, and then I'm going to be done, and the Bills are going to win. Amen, okay? <laughs> but you get amen, okay? I'm, that's an inside joke. But uh, I, have a, I have a little quick little video, and uh, I want you to think about how many people say this magic word, if. And the if people are not the faithful people here. So, Jonathan, finish that. The biggest obstacle in your life today could be one of the smallest words in the English language. So many times we blame everyone and everything else for our situation when the problem is this little two-letter word. What is that word? If. I'll give my life to Jesus if. Fill in the blank. 
how often this word stands in the way of our obedience to God. I would share Jesus with people at my job if... I'd start tithing if... I would enter into the worship today if... I'd spend more time with my kids I if... I would go on that missions trip I'd start if, treating my wife better if... God, I'll really start serving you if... By adding if, we make excuses. We bargain with God. We set conditions for our obedience or try to shift the responsibility to others. The word if implies that God needs to do more to hold up his end of the bargain. He has already done what we need most. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't die for us based on if. He died for us because. Because he loved us with an unquenchable love. Let's not obey God if. Let's obey him because. Let's love God because. Today, let's enter into worship not based on if, but because. Let's lose the if. Because. I'll quit with this little illustration. Across my Facebook page, a fellow pastor friend of mine in, in uh, Weston, he had a little thing here, and he said, do you want your kids to quit saying are we going to church this Sunday? <laughs> you know, a lot of times people say, are we going to church this Sunday? Meaning, A, are we going to do this, this, this? And he said, at the point was, just be there and make it a regular habit. And you know what? The kids will stop asking. My kids never ask me. You say you're a pastor, and they never ask me here because you know what I did in my calendar when I first got saved? I took an X on Sundays. God's day, God's day, God's day, God's day. Sick? Oh, sorry. Can't spread that. Can't do this here. Going on vacation, see relatives, that's fine. Uh, going to take my uh, vacation or something like that, rest time, that's fine here. But my point is okay. People are confused today, and especially children, because they don't know if they're supposed to be faithful to God because the word if. We'll do this if. And you know what? Our churches are not reaching our goals. Can I get it? Amen. We can do more in this community. How many of you realize? I desperately want to do more for God in this community. But you know what? The magic word is, just like that employer told me, I don't have faithful people here. And my point is okay. We have got to, in God's work, we have to have faithful.